You mentioned there that that our former Premier, Peter Beattie, participated in the anti-apartheid protests and for his trouble he was arrested and beaten up inside Trades Hall. Right. At a recent lunch in Brisbane, Peter Beattie came out very strongly in support of Israel. So why is it that people were willing to actually come out strongly and get arrested on the question of apartheid in South Africa, but less able to do that over the Palestinian human rights? And don't forget, you know, the vast majority of Australians supported the Springbok team coming to Australia. We were a, a great, we were a minority. But I think it's a bit like the the way in which the Australian public was totally split over whether the, the Moscow Olympics should be boycotted. Um, and often these queries come up, and I've always argued that um, really to, to boycott a sporting team, it needs to be a sporting issue. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to play sport with any other countries, really, because there are so many terrible human rights abuses going on, and you know, and including the, the human rights abuses against the Palestinians. Um, so I've always said you've got to, it's got to be tied to a to, to the sport in some way. And as far as I know, that um, Israeli sporting teams. Um, that come to Australia. I don't even know of any, actually, because we don't really play the same sports as as Israel. Um, so, in, in and that was one of the clear things about the Springboks was that um, rug, uh, rugby union and cricket were the great white sports of South Africa, and we were one of the few countries that were still playing them, and, and they were sports that were important to us too. So, so I think that that's why it's just not in terms of, of getting big demonstrations like against the Springboks, um, against the Israelis, it's, it's not going to happen in, in, in the sporting arena. You were on the first Australian brigade to Cuba. Why did you go and what did you take away from that? Oh, goodness. Um, yes, I, we, I wasn't even terribly aware it was the first, uh, the first brigade. I mean, it's now, well, that was in 1984, so it's Forty or so years since then, um, we went to basically cut sugar cane for the revolution, which is what you did in those days. Um, we didn't actually cut any sugar cane. We uh, worked on building sites and also in citrus, you know, orchards. We were we were fruit pickers. Um, what did I take away from it? Um, that, that on the whole, Cubans were pretty happy with with what was going on. Yes, there were restrictions, and of course, one of my um, co-brigadistas was was a gay guy, and he was very interested in the fact that you know the Cuban leadership at the time had a pretty sort of Latin American attitude towards homosexuality. That has got better, um, but on the whole, I liked a lot of what I saw. We would. You know, we were sceptical about some some of their uh, arguments, uh, but on the whole, um, 
I'd prefer to be a poor person in Cuba than a poor person in America, actually. Um, and 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 I'm still quite sympathetic to the Cuban regime, although of course it has had autocratic, um, you know, the leadership has not always been fantastic. Concerning the green bans by the Builders Labourers Federation in Kelly's Bush and Woolloomooloo, do you think that similar bans could be effective in fighting climate change? I've often asked this question, why, why don't green bans happen again? They happened at the time they did in Sydney because there were no... Uh, there was no legislation at all that protected any building or any green area um, or any public space. The uh, Environment Act and the Heritage Act just simply didn't exist. And developers were rampant. A lot of hot money was flowing into the country from America. So overdevelopment was just unbelievable. And what you had in the... New South Wales Builders Labourers was this really uh, enlightened leadership of Jack Mundy, Joe Owens and Bob Pringle. And they, first of all, they fought very hard to have very democratic practices. They were only paid, as officials, they were only paid the same amount as Builders Labourers were paid. Uh, when the industry was on strike, they didn't get paid. Um, they brought in limited tenure of office where you, you you could only do two terms before you had to go back on the tools. So they had a, a, a membership that was very loyal to them. And uh, when Jack Mundy started talking about the social responsibility of labour and talking about labourers working out for themselves what they should use their labour for, um, it really struck a, a, a nerve. And uh, so you had a a union that was able and, and willing to take uh, part in these bans. Don't forget it was also a building boom. It's very, it would have been very hard to do this in the middle of a recession. And so you had a enlightened leadership, a, a loyal rank and file, a building boom and no absolutely no legislation protecting anything. And um, so that's why the Green Man's happened. And also the, the, the labourers were prepared to physically defend the the, the Green Bands. And, and often they did, and often they were arrested. They were always ending up in court. Um, whether those conditions would ever happen again, it's hard to say. Also, don't forget, there is now legis the secondary boycotts legislation. And, and, and other... IR um, uh, legislation has has made it very difficult for unions to take what take action over something that is not strictly a wages and conditions issue. So, and also, of course, unionism is so much weaker now than it was. 